Uh, on the church website, and I'm not sure if it's on the app or not, but for sure on the website, there are four different Bible reading plans. So we're at the beginning of 2022. Um, if you don't have a plan to kind of just really engage with God's word this uh, year, then we've just got four options for you. So one is a historical. So they're all different. A little bit of a different tactic for kind of approaching, interacting with Scripture this year. So the first one is historical and really just taking you through Scripture in a historical context and a historical um, timeline, essentially. The second one is chronological, which is taking really the biblical events in chronological order, because that's not necessarily the way that they're presented in, you know, the, for, in the 66 books that are in the Bible. So you can do historical chronological. You can do straight through, which just goes from Genesis to Revelation and read through it the whole year. Or the last one is an ESV, which again, I'm I'm sure is straight through, but just specifically the ESV uh, version. And so we have those uh, resources available to you and encourage you to take advantage of those. Um, The last announcement has to do with Mexico. Um, I think we've mentioned and are really beginning today to kind of formally announce and start taking registrations for our Mexico mission trip. It's going to be May 8th to the 14th. It's a week long. We go down on a Sunday. We come back on a Saturday. You can either go for the entire trip during which we will build two homes for two families in Mexico, or you can come down just for the first three days or the second three days and build house one or build house two. And some people just can't get away for a whole week, so we give you those options. But it'll be during May 8th and uh, May 14th. We're going down to Ensenada. Um, The approximate cost is up there. It's about $400 to go, and that's all expenses paid to go down and build the first house. Um, If you want to go down for the whole week, it's going to be in the vicinity of about $600. Um, We do have a deadline. I guess it's not up there. I'm really hoping in about two months, by the middle of March, Uh, If you're interested in going, really need people to make commitments by then so we kind of know what kind of team we have and uh, fundraising and all sorts of stuff. So encourage you to really pray about that. And if the Lord is telling you to go, please go. We'll talk about this a lot as we kind of get closer to the date. There's a lot of ways for you to participate, not just by going. By praying, we're going to have an opportunity to raise money, to build these homes. They're not cheap, but just a lot of different ways that you can be engaged. But right now it's about Pray about going. We would love to have you. Anybody can go. Um, you don't have to have skills. You don't have to have you know anything in particular, young, old. We'd love to have anybody who'd like to go. So um, with that, we're going to be watching a brief video before Richie comes up and shares God's word with us. It's a new year filled with new unknowns. We're coming off yet another season of uncertainty. A year, if we're honest, filled lots of us with fear. We've allowed our eyes to drift and wander. So God, as we head into this year, fill our eyes with wonder. May we focus on the things that you care about, not on our shoelaces. Remind us of Hebrews 13.6. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? So with Jesus interceding for us, what can come against us? When his joy comes new every morning, what is left for sadness to claim? 
if nothing can separate us from your love, then what room does hatred have to take hold? When you make known to us the path of life, how can we ever lose our way? If you uphold us with your righteous right hand, how can we be afraid of falling? God, we commit to lay our plans at your feet once again, for you know the plans you have for us. So as we go into this new year, we will focus on you, God, because what can man or our careers, our schools, our families, our thoughts, our doubts, our fears, our insecurities, what can any of these things do to us? nothing because our trust our faith and our hope are in you god when i saw that video i was really really encouraged and challenged because you know again you we've polled and surveyed you and know that many of you don't necessarily make new year's resolutions and you know that that's all well and good but but I wonder how many of us as believers have taken the time, you know, what do I, we're nine days into the new year, and, and really done what, what that video modeled, which was to, to pause and maybe review all that you have been taught, all that you know about Scripture and who you are in Christ, and gather it, sort of gather it all up, and say, okay, I'm moving forward. Right, and, and I love the fact in that video that they actually didn't put the verses up there necessarily. And why is that? Well, because if you, if you caught the gist of the video, it was the person, the narrator, had so ingrained scripture into their life that it was just normative. It was just what we call a biblical worldview, right? And, and so what they were doing is they said, you know what, Let me, before I race into 2022 and just become very reactive... What was that video all about? Knowing who you are in Christ, knowing God's word, and moving forward proactively. Amen? Moving forward in strength, moving forward in peace, moving forward in victory, because you've taken even just a few moments to say, wait a sec, okay, who am I in Christ? What do I believe about scripture? What are God's promises? What are all, you know, the Bible says we've been, we've been given everything we need for life and godliness. Amen, right? So if have we gathered the resources for the trip through 2022? Because quite frankly, none of us know. None of us know what the next year will bring, right? In the last two years, almost two years of this country and this, this planet have been quite a, quite a ride. And we've all done our best individually and with families and even as a church family to navigate it. And we still continue to navigate it as it changes from week to week. And even last Sunday... Uh, you know, having to go to live stream and, and just a little forewarning that, that that's going to be sort of the new normal, I'm guessing. And we praise God for the technology. And, you know, I, I was watching it live last Sunday. And, and again, Bill, thank you. You know, God really spoke to me through the word and through your gifting. And, and it was really incredible because, what was it, Mark? You were preaching to Mark here, right? And, and you know, I'm, I'm always curious when, I, when I'm looking at on, on YouTube, you can see the number of views, and then through the week, I, I kind of keep Italian. The last time I checked, I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday or something, there were just like 115 views of last Sunday. That's, that's not one person each. Those are families. Those are couples. So 115 views at least, and probably more now, of last Sunday. So we praise God for technology, 
and that, you know, your people gathering us, again, welcome all over the state and back east, Midwest, and everywhere in between. Uh, we're glad that you're here. Uh, but there's also a part of us as, as humans that kind of still challenge, are challenged very deeply with change. Anyone? And tribulation and, you know, what I call hitting corners in life, you know. I don't know how about you, but, you know, you're going this way and suddenly a, a corner appears. Anyone ever have a corner? You know, a hard left and then a hard right. And you're like, wow, where are all these corners coming from? And so this morning, as I was praying about uh, where we are as a church family, you know, we started the book of Philippians towards the end of last year. And we're going to jump back into that in a couple weeks. Uh, but this morning, I wanted to kind of help us in light of the video and just kind of where we are January 9th. Maybe take a deep breath and, and put, some, put some really deep foundational pillars into the ground that will ground us and root us individually, but as a church family moving, moving forward. And, and this morning, the, the, the title of the sermon is Courage in 2022. Courage. And again, you know, it, it's, it's not to be, you know, any sort of fear-mongering, anything like that. But I'm going to guess whether it's having to do with the pandemic or not, just in my life or your life and all the various relationships and circumstances. My guess is that at some point, you're going to need courage. You might even need it right now. Some of you here or at home, uh, you might be facing something right now, the unknown, and there's fear, and there's uncertainty, maybe some anxiety, maybe some worry, right? All that comes with trials and tribulations. And maybe you've been struggling with courage. And, and what does that even mean? How do, we, how do we have biblical courage, right? Because I'm... I'm Sometimes we equate courage with the Navy SEALs. And then we're like, well, I'm not a Navy SEAL, and I'm not a fighter, and I'm a pretty shy and timid person. Courage, isn't that for a certain personality types? And no. In fact, biblical courage, we're going to see in John 16, that Jesus says and actually commands us all to be courageous. All to be courageous. And so we're going to look at that. We're going to focus on one verse this morning, John 16, 33. Uh, but in context, to help us understand what's going on here, in John chapter 13 to 17, uh, it's called the farewell discourse. Okay, and the farewell discourse is Jesus teaching his close disciples uh, in the awareness of that the time has come for him to leave. So for about three years, they've been together, pretty much probably day and night, walking everywhere, sharing lives, all the miracles, everything like that. And now this significant change is about to happen in the nature of their relationship. Jesus knows it's time for him to go back to the Father. And the farewell discourse, John 13 to 17, he's teaching them. What he's trying to do is prepare them for the next chapter. And that's why I love the context here that we're going to look at, because this is the next chapter. If you look at year to year, 2022, for many of us, is the next season. It's the next chapter. Okay? And so uh, I'm like, okay, this is good. This is good. And Jesus doesn't candy coat what his disciples will face. Right? In fact, in John 16, 1 to 4, he says this. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. 
And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may, may remember that I told them to you. So he starts off the 16th chapter pretty heavy. You're going to be put out of synagogues and some of you are going to get killed. And they're thinking they're on God's team by killing you. It's pretty weighty. You know, and again, in context, I don't know what happens in the next 356 days we have left after subtracting nine. There might be some pretty weighty things, and maybe what you hear today from God's word will keep you from falling away. Maybe what you hear today will keep you rooted and grounded when the storms of life come in 2022. Maybe when your world is turned upside down, and you're wondering, and you're maybe doubting your faith, and you've, you've been scattered, and you know, you're feeling isolated, maybe what you hear today will give you the courage you need to take another step forward. The courage you need to trust God for another day. Just for another day, maybe the next hour, right? And so he doesn't mince words, he says, you know what, it's gonna, it's gonna be pretty heavy, guys. But I'm telling you things because I love you, and I want you to remain strong and firm in your faith. And I believe that's God's heart for us this morning. He's going to tell us some things through his word because he loves us and he wants us to keep us from falling away and actually wants us to grow through whatever may happen in 2022. Amen? See, because we have no idea what's going to happen, but we do know that God works all things for the good. So regardless of what happens circumstantially, here's the truth. A year from now, we can sit here and go, praise God, I grew. I grew. How many of you in 2023 would like to look back on 2022 and say, I grew spiritually? I'm, I'm different. I'm different. I don't want to go there again. And I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. But praise God, I'm different. Amen? Okay, so that's, that's the heart of today is that I believe that God wants to speak to us in preparation courage. And the theme is courage, right? So in John 16, 28, he says this. We pick up and he's speaking to his disciples. He says this, I came from the father and have come into the world. And now I am leaving the world and going to the father. His disciples said, ah, now you are speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. Jesus answered them, do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered each to his own home and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. We're going to look at this passage in, in two chunks. And the first one, we're going to reread it. It's from verse 28 to 32. He says this, I came from the Father and have come into the world, and now I am leaving the world and going to the Father. Okay, that's the context. His disciples said, ah, now you are speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. Jesus answered them, do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. So what do we hear in this, in this first part, in this interaction? The disciples affirm their belief. 
Okay, so they believe. These are, you know, these are his close disciples. It's not that they don't believe. It's not that they don't have faith. They actually believe that Jesus is who he says he is, right? But then he says something very interesting. Verse 31, Jesus answered them, do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered each to his own home and will leave me alone. What are you saying? You know what? Thank you. I know you believe. I know you have a certain level of faith in me. You wouldn't be here otherwise. But I got to tell you something, guys. In a really sh- short time, just in a few minutes here, actually, we don't know how long, but it was immediately in John 18, Jesus is there with his boys and they get arrested and they scatter. And so Jesus is saying, you know what? Hey, guys, I know you believe, but there's something that's just around the corner that's going to test you, that's going to scare you, that's going to bring you to the brink. And in fact, you know what's going to happen, guys, when that comes? You who say you believe me right now, you're going to scatter. You're actually going to bail on me. And, you know, that's kind of weighty for us. Because sometimes we come, and I love the songs we sing, and, you know, teaching God's word. And, and I believe many of you love Jesus. You're at a certain level of, of growth in your spiritual walk. You hear, you at home. But we have to be very careful that we don't become overconfident in where we are with Jesus. Oh, yeah, I would never. Those are very dangerous words to come out of a believer's mouth. And conversely, to cast judgment on a believer, say, how could he and how could she? Well, just look in the mirror. And he's prepping us. The context is, hey, guys, yeah, I get it. We're all, you're here, but there's something coming. And it is going to throw you. And you will scatter. Not just, not, so not just kind of, you're going to, you're going to, you're gone. You're gone. Like within a few hours of this conversation, they bail. In fact, Matthew 26, 56 is, but all this has taken place that the scripture of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples left him and fled. And so as we prepare for the new year, sometimes it's really good to be honest about where you are. Celebrate the good, celebrate the growth, but actually, honestly, even be humble as you enter the new year. What does the Bible say? Pride comes before destruction. And sometimes, even as believers, we get to a certain place, and we've grown, and we've matured. We know a lot of verses. We're in Bible studies, maybe even serve, And what we do is we get complacent, comfortable, and maybe even spiritually proud. And we stop the disciplines. We're not reading scripture anymore. We're not in prayer. We're not necessarily even committed to church anymore. We start to let things go. And then something out of the blue comes, catches us completely off guard, and we react in the flesh. And you scatter. You scatter. Maybe even spiritually scattered. Maybe not physically scattered, but you might spiritually scatter. Right? And I was thinking about this journey over the last two years as a church family and the church in the country and really even globally. It was a scattering. It wasn't just 
the challenges that the church could, wasn't allowed to meet physically. The deeper challenge to the church, honestly, over the last two years was spiritual. Something came. They called it COVID. And many in the church scattered. Some out of fear. Some out of anger and rebellion. Some out of just, they got comfortable not coming anymore and kind of drifted. and Just all over, the, all over the spectrum the last two years. And in fact, last year, you know, the elders, we were so burdened because our heart for you and the church family and you listening was, was to try to regroup and call and follow up on those that had scattered and people we had heard and no longer, you know, connected here. And that's just our heart. That's the shepherd's heart. Because we understood there was a deep spiritual scattering that just kind of blew things up. Right? And it's just one of those things, again, as we move into a new year, it's, it's pretty healthy to have an honest discussion with the Lord and maybe with someone that you trust. And say, hey, you know what? What do you see in me? Where am I spiritually? What do I need to, what, okay, okay, brother that I trust, is there any areas that you think I may need to be aware of moving into the new year and vice versa? That's just honesty. That's just transparency. That's just one anothering, one another as we prepare, right? Hebrews 10 says this, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. It's, it, it, what pains me, what pains the elders here so much is that when these tsunamis come and when the things of life come and happen in my life or your life, oftentimes what happens in the church is there's a scattering and people separate from the church, they separate from the body of Christ, they isolate themselves, and they're actually doing the exact opposite of what they need to do, which is engage the church. Amen? Many of us, when things happen and we get hurt and we get angry and we get disillusioned and we're discouraged, we start to pull away from the body of Christ, which is what God put you into it for this very reason. And yet things happen, and maybe we're embarrassed, maybe we're angry, maybe we're ashamed of how we feel, things we've made, decisions we've made, whatever, and we pull away, we scatter. And this verse, this passage in Hebrews 10 says, hey, you know what? Don't neglect meeting together. And it's not necessarily on a Sunday morning. It could be a small group. It could be one-on-one, right? Because we're to encourage one another. I'm to consider, when it says consider one another, it means, you know what, I need to have someone in my life, other brothers and sisters in Christ, that I actually think about. Right? It says consider. That word consider means, as, as Christians, as believers, I'm supposed to take the time to consider how you're doing. Now, there's a time to place, hey, Cindy, hey, Kathy, hey, Barry, hey, right? We're really good around here. We're, we're, we have really great, hey, fellowship around here, right? But... What we're supposed to do is actually consider one another. That's not just the pastors or the elders. He's talking to the whole church. We need to be thinking about the spiritual welfare and well-being of everybody around us and how God might use us to encourage one another. Amen? That's, that's the value of meeting together. It's not just, hey, you've got to be there Sunday at 10 or else God's going to be mad at you. 
Or, hey, you got to go to church because you got to check the box for church box for, you know. No. There is a deeper meaning for us to gather, and it's called community and family. Where when we get together, even outside, it's, hey, catch up. But then you look at how you doing. Okay, how you really doing? <laughs> right? First it's like good, and then you do it how you really don't. <laughs> right? Right? I had a friend, and he, he rephrased it. You know, and, and Chaz, I, you know, I haven't talked to Chaz. Some of you know Chaz, the pastor. He's on our accountability board. But Chaz, you know, I would say, hey, what's up, Chaz? You know, and we've known each other for years and years. Big Samoan guy. What's up, Chaz? And he would say, what's up, my brother? How goes it with your soul? Good. Like, right? Right, what do you say to a big Samoan who says, how goes it with your soul? Good. Because see, right, like fine doesn't, somehow fine, right? How goes it with your soul? Fine. But I love that because it wasn't just cliche to him. When we see each other, even if we haven't seen him for other years, he'll give me a big hug and he'll say, hey, how goes it with your soul? Because he really wants to know how I'm really doing at the soul level. And we all need that. We all need that. Someone in our life that you, you, you genuinely know, love you and care about, and, and when they say, hey, how goes it with your soul? It's not because they're trying to like, peek into your life as a busybody and condemn you. No, they actually love you. They actually love you. And if something isn't right in your soul, they are there to help you the best that they can Get right in your soul. Amen? That's the value of this. Okay? So they're scattered. And, and it's really, there's also a flip side to this, and, and you know, I'm just going to talk about this for a little bit. So, okay, yeah, I get it. I got to get people in my life. Boom. 2022. Small group. 2022. Uh, one or two guys, one or two girls. We're going to do this, right? Here's a caution. You have to be very careful about the people you listen to as well. Okay? You have to be very careful. And you guys know the story of Job, right? Job, great guy, upright guy. God allows tremendous tribulations into his life, right? And then if you're reading through Job, somewhere along the line, Job has three friends. And they do what friends should do. They come alongside. They hear how horrible things have been, everything he's lost, tremendous pain, right? And they come alongside him as friends. The problem is these friends give him unbiblical counsel and actually make it worse and send him into a spiritual tailspin in his own walk with God, right? Because what they do is they actually give him bad counsel about God's character and the reason for the suffering. Maybe with the best of intentions, but they were wrong. And they messed with his head. Right? Because they looked at Job, and they knew that he was a good, godly guy, and upright, and all this calamity happened. So in his friend's mind, they're like, hey, bro, what'd you do? Some, you, you must have done some, some. Because he's mad. You brought this on yourself. So just confess it. Come on, man. Come clean. And they hammer him. 
And after a while, it gets into his head, and he starts to change his view negatively about God. And the point of this is, bring people into your life, but be very careful that they don't give you ungodly and unbiblical counsel that actually hurts you in your relationship with God. And I'm not saying intentionally. I'm just saying that sometimes in life, people come alongside, and they'll share something with you that they heard, on Instagram or Facebook, right? Like, dang, I saw this real cute poem, right? And they like elevate the poem to scripture. Hey, here's a poem. And you read the poem and because of where you are in your emotional mental state, you're like, that's a cool poem. It doesn't jive with scripture, but I really like it because it jives with where I'm at. See how dangerous that is? You need people around you that will speak the truth in love and not just be yes people. You need people around you who will say, whoa, hold on here, cowboy. I don't know if that's really right. You know, and, and, and I, I, I appreciate Mark. You know, Mark, I was going through some stuff a couple of weeks ago and asked Mark, hey, can we go to lunch and kind of share what's going on? And Mark's a straight shooter. And, and I appreciate that. And I need that in my life. We all do. You know, you might have people that are more listeners, and that's fine. And you might have people who are more encouragers, but I, I encourage you. Maybe in 2022, find a straight shooter. Woo! Might be where you're at, right? Where you have this uh, permission to speak freely relationship, right? So I like about Mark. Oh, Mark just told me he's going to speak freely. I don't really have a choice anyway, but he just does. Um, but I know he loves me. So when he speaks freely, I receive it because his, his heart genuinely, he wants to encourage me. He wants to come alongside me. We all need that. So just moving forward, put people around you. Don't scatter. Don't isolate. Engage the church, but you still have to be wise. Whatever you hear, even from this pulpit, whoever's up here, it has to jive with Scripture. Be a Berean and check it out. Right? Don't just say, oh, Pastor Richie, because Pastor Richie said. The weight that I carry to rightly tell you what it, that's a biggie. That, that's, that's, that's something, you know, I don't take that lightly. But be careful, right? In, Job, in fact, in Job 42.7, look what God says about, about Job's friends. After the Lord had finished speaking to Job, he said to Eliphaz the Temanite, I am angry with you and your two friends, for you have not spoken accurately about me as my servant Job has. Oh, God was listening. (laughs) There's a straight up call out. (laughs) Okay, so put people in your life that you trust, that are biblically literate, okay, that will encourage you, pray with you, but just please be very wise of what you allow in to hear including social media, including all your resources, the news, everything like that. A lot of people in the church have got spun up and scattered the last two years because they chose to listen to the wrong sources. And it threw them. Okay, so just application there. So then in verse 33, he says this, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. In the New King James, it says this, these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, 
but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. The New American Standard Bible, it says, these things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have, you, well, you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world, right? And so the first part of that, he says, hey, you know what? In the world you will have tribulation. Tribulation, the, the word picture is pressing together. Crushing pressure. Trouble, anguish, a heavy burden. So he says, hey, you know what? 2022, there's going to be some pressing in your life. There's going to be some burdens. There's going to be some anguish. You're going to feel like you're getting squeezed. You're getting like in the press, right? And it might be at work. might be at school. might be at home. might be in relationships. Maybe finances, health. Who knows, right? We live in a fallen and broken world. And he says, he doesn't candy coat it. He says, you know what? You will. I won't say will. You will have tribulations. You will have things come into your life this year that are going to press you, that are going to feel like they're crushing you, that are going to feel like you just can't take it anymore. Right? So what do you do with that? Well, what's really important as a believer, now this is a biblical view of tribulations, you accept it. It's just part of living in a fallen and broken world as a follower of Jesus. Right? 2 Timothy 3. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. 1 Peter. Beloved, do not per- be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. John 15. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Now, what is so challenging about this is that in our culture, there's this deep value that many of us pick up Maybe, maybe you say, but it's not really said too much. It has to do with the career path in the American dream. Many of us pursue personal peace. Personal peace. This deep desire to not have any tribulation. Right? We earn money. We go up the corporate ladder. We accumulate things. And what's the, what's the point? To eliminate as much tribulation as possible. We want to get rid of it. We don't like it. And so we are ingrained in this culture to do whatever we can to avoid it. Deny it. Don't let it happen. So how do you jive with Jesus saying, hey, you know what? You will. What do you do with that? Well, what you have to do and understand biblically is that you just, you have to accept that it's just par for the course. Because many of us are like this. We're churning inside because you're fighting the reality of tribulation. You're fighting it. Now, I'm not saying it's pleasant. I'm not saying, you know, it's some weird, masochistic, weird, unhealthy thing. Like, no. But what you're doing is you're scared, you're angry, you're anxious, and you're worried about it even happening. And Jesus says, it's going to happen. You're fighting about, you're fighting against something that Jesus says you will have. 
So the focus should not be fighting against it. The focus should be, how do I respond to it? You see the difference? That's the step of faith. You accept by faith the truth that it's coming, and rather than spending all your waking hours like, why is this happening again? Why, why, why? Why do bad things happen to good people? You're not a good guy. You get all bent up, and you don't, you're, you're fighting against the reality of tribulation, and all Jesus is like, I told you it's coming. I told you it was coming. You will. That's the promise in that verse. You will have tribulation. We're going to see as we move on, we're not to fight the reality of the tribulation. We're to, by faith, respond biblically to the tribulation. Some of you need to be set free. Because I know me, okay? I'll I'll, I'll throw me under the bus. I don't like tribulation. I grew up in, in, in my childhood growing up. We were latchkey kids, so I had a lot of responsibility for my younger sister. And so we, I was trained and, 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 and I took very, you know, I took it upon myself to care for her, take care of the family, do everything I could to protect against tribulation, against anything bad happening. Okay? So I get that, right? The challenging part is that you almost develop this false sense of control. You're trying to control the uncontrollable. And then you become, everything is so do, 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 do. You're just going to stay in the box because what you're trying to do is not let anything in. No tribulation allowed. No tribulation allowed. Right? And if a tribulation happens to sneak its way through, I get caught up in my feelings about it, and I get caught up in trying to figure out why it happened. And it still happens as a believer. Rather than my first response being, okay, Lord, how do I respond biblically to this? I get caught up in my feelings, anger, confusion, worry, anxiety, whatever. And then I go into trying to figure out who's responsible. Anyone ever do that? Anyone here get caught up in feelings and figuring when tribulations come? Right? Just like, oh, oh, oh. And then I go, oh, oh, like, who did it? Who's responsible? I I, got to figure this out. I got to figure this out. Right? Some of us need to just accept the fact that we live in a fallen and broken world. And Jesus says, we will have tribulation. It's par for the course. It's par for the course. And here's the other thing that, that there's, 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 right, there's this issue of feelings, there's trying to figure it out. And then, honestly, there's this focus on self. Like, if a tribulation happens in my life, what are they going to think about me? See, if tribulations happen in my life, maybe, maybe people are going to think less of me. Maybe, maybe they're going to think, I don't have my act together. Job's friends, what did you do? Maybe I'm a failure, right? So I get caught up in my feelings. I try to figure it out, and then I get caught up that I'm a failure because I allowed this tribulation in my life. We get caught up in this, and we're doing everything but we're supposed, but what we're supposed to do, right? And so I want to I encourage you, 
even in the church, there's this false idea that if you have enough faith, nothing bad is ever going to happen to you. And if you get sick, or you lose your job, or you don't get what you were supposed to get, it's because you didn't have enough faith, you failure. That's a false belief. There's this false belief that tribulations, the, the, the consequences of living in a fallen and broken world, are not allowed in the church. And if there's some tribulation in your life, you're a failure. And it's your fault. So you better fix it before they find out. That was pretty good. I think that just came right off. <laughs> Gotta write that one down. I lost myself. <laughs> Like a side note, sometimes I, t I tell the staff, like, sometimes I'm up here, and I'll, I say I go off script. I mean, I have my notes and stuff, but sometimes I just go, okay, Holy Spirit, we're just going to go. And sometimes I'm like, literally, I'm saying stuff to you, and I'm like, I got to remember that. <laughs> like, did not even come to my mind this whole week until like here. Like, I'm just right here. And I already forgot them. <sighs> so that's the thing, right? We do, we're doing, we get caught up in this whirlwind of tribulation and we're, we just do everything but what we're supposed to do. So let me, let me, let me help you, okay? Because around here we try to just be real. We're authentic, we understand there's appropriate times and places to share what's going on in your life, but we try to keep it real around here, right? And so if you're going through trials and tribulations, please understand, we don't view you as a failure. There's no scarlet T for tribulation. We don't, there's no stigma. You know what? You're human. And we live in a fallen, broken world. And until Jesus comes back and we get to heaven, it's going to be that way. We're just all trying to do our best. Amen? And sometimes we hit a home run. And sometimes we get it right. And sometimes, quite frankly, we just biff. We just do. And sometimes we do things that we know we oughtn't to. Anyone ever do anything you know you oughtn't to? We do that. And sometimes you do things and you had no clue you were stepping on a landmine. Right? Best of intentions. And you're like, oh my gosh. My bad. Right? You know the story of Job. Job 1.1. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was blameless and upright. One who feared God and turned away from evil. That should give you some encouragement. Job was a godly man, godliest on the planet at that time. And yet, tribulations were allowed to come into his life for God's purpose. See, the tribulations that come into your life, it's not because you're a failure necessarily. It might be because you're exactly where God wants you. Remember the Apostle Paul, the thorn in the flesh, right? In, in 2 Corinthians, he says, you know, there was this thorn in the flesh. And that word thorn, it's not, it's not a rosebush thorn. The word thorn in that, in that passage of Scripture means railroad spike. So there was something huge in the Apostle Paul's life that was like a railroad spike. And three times he says, hey, uh, God, can you help me out? Uh, 
nice. We took this thorn, this railroad spike out of my life. And like, nope, nope, nope. Was Paul in sin? Was Paul a failure? No. God was teaching him something. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Amen? So maybe tribulations come into my life and your life so that we're more dependent on God. We just learn to live in dependency rather than self-sufficiency. Because when, when I'm weak, he's strong. And you know what? When he's strong, he gets the glory. He gets the glory. Okay, so, so when tribulations come this year, don't necessarily take it as a, you're a failure. It's all your fault. It might just be because you live in a fallen and broken world. And God wants to grow you spiritually through it. Okay? I will say this, though. This is not an excuse for tribulations that come into my life and your life from poor and sinful decisions. Don't use this as an out. You might be experiencing tribulation right now because you're being disobedient. You, you just are. And so don't, don't try to like maneuver your way out of it. If you in, are in a tribulation and you have someone in your life who speaks the truth in love and they say, hey bro, can I speak the truth in love? Permission to speak freely? And you're like, uh, okay. And he says, Bro, you know this tribulation you're going through? I kind of think it's on you. And it might be. And you have to be willing to receive that in love. And what happens? You don't beat yourself up. What does the Bible say? Confess. Repent. Receive God's forgiveness. Amen? Turn away from whatever you're doing that's causing the tribulation, the pain, right? It's like uh, finances. Some of you might be in financial tribulation because you never made a budget. Or, you know, you've never been a good steward or disciplined with your finances. Well, there's a cause. Okay, so confess that. Say, God, okay, I've not been a good steward of your money. I've not been a good steward of your resources. I, I need tools. I need help, you know. Bill's a great. He's helped many in the church with this financial stewardship of things, Right? So there might be areas of your life you need to confess that you have been part of the problem. Just confess it. Receive it as God's discipline. Learn and move forward. Amen? That's all we do. We're all in process. We're all in process. Okay? And so John 16, 33b says this. Jesus says, take heart. I have overcome the world. Now remember, take heart in different versions is be of good cheer, take courage. Now this is real important. Take heart, be of good cheer, take courage. And this is, this is real important because that's one of those verses right there that I think many of us may have memorized or you've seen on Instagram or whatever, a magnet on your fridge or whatever. And you're like, oh yeah, take heart, I've overcome the world. What does that even mean? Be of good cheer, right? Hey, be of good cheer. We have to be very careful that we don't misinterpret that, that this is a cliche. Like Barry comes to me and he shares a tribulation that he's going through. He's feeling really pressed. He's really feeling right, you know, like he's being squeezed, right? And I, I say to him, hey, man, cheer up. 
You know, hey, Barry, cheer up. On your way. Right? Hey, Betty, you going through something big? Uh, take heart. See, we cliche these things. Hey, cheer up. That's not when it says be a good cheer. We're not supposed to go around when someone is hurting, someone's being pressed together, someone's being squeezed. We don't just say, hey, bro, cheer up. That's phony. That's plastic Christianity. It's not a cliche when he says, take heart, I have overcome the world. It's not a cliche. It's not some superficial comment. Hey, cheer up, bro. Cheer up. No. What's crazy is that when he says, take heart, be of good cheer, take courage. You know what? That, it's not a cliche. It's a command. In the Greek, it's actually a continuing command to be courageous, bold, to have confidence and firmness of purpose in the face of danger or testing. Okay, don't miss this, because this applies to and all of you at home. When the tribulations come, instead of getting caught up in my feelings and figuring it out and feeling like I'm a failure, what am I supposed to do? I am commanded to be courageous. We are commanded. It's not an encouragement. It's not a suggestion. It's a command. Again, I'll read the definition. It is a continuing command to be courageous, bold, to have confidence and firmness of purpose in the face of danger or testing. It is a continuous command. Tribulations will come, and I am commanded to continuously be bold and courageous in the face of them. This is the Christian response to tribulation. This is the biblical Christian response to tribulations that will come. We are commanded to continuously be bold and courageous. Regarding the Greek word, Gary Hill says this, the Greek word refers to God bolstering the believer, empowering them with a bold inner attitude of good courage. Inner bolstering comes from the Lord, infusing strength by his inworking of faith. This unflinching, bold courage lives out inner confidence, which is produced by the Holy Spirit. Believers know all physical circumstances of life are under his control, which produces an uncomparable sense of inner triumph. Remember Philippians 2, 12 and 13, it is God who works in you to will and to do. God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, gives you the courage. So when it says, hey, you are to continuously be courageous. Here's, the, here's, the, here's kind of the key in this whole thing. It's not about you. Because when I say, hey, you're commanded to be courageous, you're like, yeah, I know, but I was bullied. And yeah, you know, I'm kind of, I've always been one of the kind of the scared ones. And yeah, but I, but I, but I. Ne-. This command to be continuously courageous has nothing to do with you necessarily in your temperament and in your own personality. It is based on the power of the Holy Spirit, and Jesus' victory. Courage to face tribulations continuously is not dependent on me. It is dependent on him. That's why we can continuously be courageous. Okay? Because he says this, I have overcome the world. So he says, okay, take heart. We're commanded to be courageous. And here's how. Here's the basis. Here's the foundation of being continuously courageous in your life. I have overcome the world. 
That word overcome is uh, nikao. It means conquer, prevail, victorious. It's related to a word many of you know. Some of you might even be wearing some of this. Nike in the Greek means victory. Some of you are wearing Nikes. Right? So when he says, I have overcome the world, it means I have conquered the world. I am victorious over this world. Right? It's permanent. And so you got to sit there and you have to go, okay, wait. I'm commanded to be continuously courageous in the face of tribulations that I know are coming. How do I do that? Well, it's not about me. It's about him. It's about Jesus' victory over the world. You got you to take time to chew on this. Because again, a lot of us are still dealing, we still live our Christian lives with, it's all about me and I got to pull myself up and I got to figure this out and I got to fight the enemy, right? And we, once we feel like this tribulation coming, it pushes our flesh buttons and we just want to rear up in the flesh because we don't want to be weak, we don't want to be a punk, we don't whatever. Jesus says, hey, take heart. I have overcome the world. The basis is Jesus. David Guzik says this, you might think that things are bad right now, but you may not even know the half of it. But Jesus knows, and he still says to you, be of good cheer. Why? Not because everything is fine, but because God is still on his throne. And he still holds to his promise that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Anyone can be of good cheer when everything is great, but the Christian can be of good cheer when everything is rotten knowing that God is mighty and wonderful no matter what the crisis of the moment. Amen? You see, we can obey this command to be continuously courageous because Jesus' victory is unchanging. Circumstances change. Tribulations come and go. Intense, not so intense. All of this flux happening in the world all through 2022, what doesn't change? Jesus' victory and God's word. You're going to be courageous. You ought to focus on Jesus' victory and the unchanging nature of God and his word. That's where your courage comes from. That's where your courage will come from. Because the more you do that, here's the thing, the more you do that, your worldview shifts. And you, you kind of kind of like, you ever see those pictures where they, they start like on the earth and then they go really deep in and then they pan all the way back and the earth becomes, Right? Well, sometimes what happens, I believe, is, is when you study the Word of God and you get an Indian and you're in relationship, and that, suddenly God will pan you out off the planet. And suddenly you start to see your life and you start to see things happening on earth from his perspective. And you're reminded that God is in control of everything. And you're reminded that, oh yeah, and by the way, that's my dad. Oh, and by the way, my name is written in the book of life. And so suddenly you get courage and you get boldness to face whatever because you're dealing with it from his perspective with his resources, amen? But that's the faith challenge because when the wave comes, the tribulation tsunami comes, man, we get right into there, right? You know, if you've ever been at the beach and you, you surf or you bodyboard or whatever, you know what it's like to go over the falls and we call it getting put in the spin cycle and you're just under there and you're holding your breath and you're just trying to, you know, hope that you get up before, right? And sometimes that happens in life. You get in the spin cycle. We get that. But that's why you need to be connected to the church. Because I might be in the spin cycle, 
And I was in the spin cycle. And then I had lunch with that guy. And he said this. Well, you know, you're not really in crisis mode. And that was jarring. Because I was in crisis mode. I was in the spin cycle. And to hear him say from his outside perspective, you know, it's not really as bad. And it's really not a crisis. I wanted to reach across the table and punch him. I'm like, I'll show you crisis. C-R-I-S. But we need the perspective, amen? Because tribulation will put us in the spin cycle and you need someone, whether it's Mandala or wherever we were, right? You need someone to say, hey, you know what? Take a deep breath. Because we've all been there when all we see is this. Anyone ever been there with things in life you happen and all you see is this? And you're like, oh my gosh, I can barely see out of this. We need people in our life to bring biblical godly perspective. And we need to be in the word and in, the prayer, in prayer and the power of the Holy Spirit so through his word he keeps us in that perspective as well. Amen? That's how we have courage. That's how we have courage. John 16, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Christmas Eve, we talked about Jesus being the Prince of Peace, right? A couple weeks ago, John 14, 27, Jesus says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So we saw in those two times that peace is based on a relationship with Jesus. And we see this morning that courage is the same thing. It's based on a relationship with Jesus. And because he has overcome the world because he is victory. My relationship with him enables me to be courageous. It's based on my relationship with him. I'm in Christ. Okay? 1 John 5, for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. He's speaking about us. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God? Amen? I love that verse. We're overcomers in Christ. I have overcome the world. Put your faith in me. You're now an overcomer. Amen? We're overcomers. John MacArthur says this. The verb nakao was popular among the Greeks who believed that ultimate victory could not be achieved by mortals, but only by the gods. They even had a goddess named Nike, the goddess of victory, who aided Zeus in his battle against the Titans. Against that pagan backdrop, it was stunning for the New Testament to assign to Christians the invincibility associated only with the gods. That's the context. When it says we have overcome and we're overcomers, they were equating our relationship with the gods. This is where we have to get to if we're going to move into 2022 with boldness and courage. That our relationship with Jesus, the overcomer, enables us to be overcomers. No matter what will come, because it will come. Okay? Romans 8:35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. 
For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? He is the overcomer. We are overcomers in him, and nothing, no tribulation in 2022 will separate you from his love. You got to drive that stake in the ground. You got to drive that stake in the ground. Nothing, as a believer, nothing that ever happens in your life in 2022 will separate you from the love of God. Nothing. You are more than a conqueror. More than, right? According to this, this passage, we are more than. Never say more than, right? That means you're a super conqueror. Like he's talking about us. If you're a believer, if you have your faith in Jesus, according to Romans 8.37, you're a super conqueror. You're more than a conqueror. You're not just a conqueror. You're a super conqueror, which means it's like uh, in any sport when there's a super lopsided victory, right? Just like complete, destructive, like so lopsided. That's us. We're super victorious, amen? In Jesus, <laughs> we're super conquerors. It's crazy. Ray Stedman says this. If we barely manage to win our way to heaven by the skin of our teeth, we could be said to be a conqueror. But a more than conqueror is someone who takes the worst that life can throw at him and uses that to become victorious. More than conqueror is one who, by the grace and the gift of God and in the strength of God within him, actually takes the very things that are designed to destroy him and they become stepping stones instead of stumbling blocks. That is being more than conquered. And when you understand this biblical perspective on tribulations and who you are in Christ, you move forward into this year with courage. Rather than getting caught up in your feelings, rather than trying to figure out why all this is happening to me, rather than feeling like a failure, you respond biblically with courage and faith. Because he has overcome the world. Because his victory is my victory. Because my name is written in the book of life. Because I have everything I need for life and godliness. Heaven is my home. He's put me into the church with people that love me, care about me. He's given everything we need. We can individually and as a church, I just want to encourage you. We can enter this world, this year, whatever happens in the world, with courage together. Amen? We do it together. And I close with this quote from a guy named Barton. He says, you're not alone and you're not lost. You have a heavenly father, a living savior, and a present helper, the Holy Spirit. All the problems that beset you are now theirs as well. Lest we forget, try this. At the end of a phone conversation, instead of goodbye, say courage. Gently, softly remind one another of what Jesus gives us. In the face of every trouble, every heartbreak, every troubling diagnosis, courage. And some of you, that might be the most practical thing you get out of this. You're talking to another believer. You say, hey, God bless you. Talk to you later. Hey, and by the way, courage. And we know it's courage in Christ. We know it's courage because we're victorious. We know it's courage because we are more than conquerors. We know it's courage because nothing will separate us from his love. We know it's courage because our names are written in the book of life. Amen? So maybe that's a great way in 2022 for you to say, 
see you next week or with something. Hey, courage. Courage. Because you know what? You say that to someone and you will have no clue what they're going through. And maybe they just need to be reminded, hey, courage. Courage. Courage in Christ. Courage in Christ. Amen? Lord, thank you for our time this morning. 1 Corinthians 15 says, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, God, that we have victory because Jesus has overcome the world. And we are more than conquerors. And we can go into 2022 with continual courage as we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, as we respond in faith. And so before we take communion, I just want to give us a moment to collect ourselves because I know it's been a lot. Maybe we just need to be still for just a little bit. Maybe there are some here or online who are going through some tribulations and are in the spin cycle. And maybe we've been caught up with our feelings about it, with fighting it, figuring it out. Maybe we feel like a failure. And maybe God is telling you, no, no, you're none of those things. You're still my child. I love you. And maybe there are some this morning here that need to take the first step and put their faith in Jesus. And in Jesus, you have peace. And in Jesus, you have victory. And in Jesus, you have courage to face any tribulation. And if that's you, I would say to you, put your faith in Jesus. The Bible says we are saved by grace through faith, not by works, so that no one can boast. Put your faith in Jesus. Trust Jesus completely for your salvation. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He came to earth. He was crucified. He died. He rose again. Put your faith in Jesus as your Savior. And if you don't know how to do that, it's as simple as you express it to God in your heart. Say, dear God, in the best way I know how this morning, I, I'm putting my faith in Jesus alone for salvation. I may not understand it all, but I I know I need Jesus. I want the peace in Christ. I want, and I need Jesus as my Savior and Lord. So, Lord God, in the best way I know how I'm trusting him with my life, my eternity, as my Savior and Lord. Uh, On the church website, and I'm not sure if it's on the app or not, but for sure on the website, there are four different Bible reading plans. So we're at the beginning of 2022. Um, If you don't have a plan to kind of just really engage with God's Word this uh, year, then we've just got four options for you. So one is a historical, so they're all different. A little bit of a different tactic for kind of approaching, interacting with Scripture this year. So the first one is historical, and really just taking you through Scripture in a historical context and a historical um, timeline, essentially. The second one is chronological, which is taking really the biblical events in chronological order, because that's not necessarily the way that they're presented in, in the 66 books that are in the Bible. So you can do historical 
chronological. You can do straight through, which just goes from Genesis to Revelation and read through it the whole year. Or the last one is an ESV, which again, I'm, I'm sure is straight through, but just specifically the ESV uh, version. And so we have those uh, resources available to you and encourage you to take advantage of those. Um, the last announcement has to do with Mexico. Um, I think I, we've mentioned and are really beginning today to kind of formally announce and start taking registrations for our Mexico mission trip. It's going to be May 8th to the 14th. It's a week long. We go down on a Sunday. We come back on a Saturday. You can either go for the entire trip during which we will build two homes for two families in Mexico, or you can come down just for the first three days or the second three days and build house one or build house two. And some people just can't get away for a whole week, so we give you those options. But it'll be during May 8th and uh, May 14th. We're going down to Ensenada. Um, the approximate cost is up there. It's about $400 to go, and that's all expenses paid to go down and build the first house. Um, if you want to go down for the whole week, it's going to be in the vicinity of about $600. Um, we do have a deadline. I guess it's not up there. I'm really hoping in about two months, by the middle of March, uh, if you're interested in going, really need people to make commitments by then so we kind of know what kind of team we have and uh, fundraising and all sorts of stuff. So encourage you to really pray about that. And if the Lord is telling you to go, please go. We'll talk about this a lot as we uh, kind of get closer to the date. There's a lot of ways for you to participate, not just by going. By praying, we're going to have an opportunity to raise money, to build these homes. They're not cheap, but just a lot of different ways that you can be engaged. But right now, it's about pray about going. We would love to have you. Anybody can go. Um, you don't have to have skills. You don't have to have you know anything in particular, young, old. We'd love to have anybody who'd like to go. So 